0: There's nothing good being made today. It's all crap. They just don't make them like they used to. I hear this a lot. From friends, from coworkers, from my family. Let me share with you a story. It's Saturday morning. I'm making coffee. My phone lights up and I have a message from my father. Any good movies out? I then painstakingly decide on a movie that my parents might enjoy for their evening, never diving a year or two deep, knowing that they want something new. I come up with a great movie. It's critically acclaimed, not too far from the mainstream, and one that I personally love. The text comes back. Thanks. Fast forward to Sunday afternoon. I call my mother and ask how they enjoyed the movie. Oh, it stunk. We ended up watching Caddyshack again. My parents do this to me at least once a month. But hey, who can argue with Caddyshack? This is a generational quandary. Think about your own life. There will never be anything more awesome than the TV shows you watched as a kid. There's never been better music than what played on the radio when you were in high school. And the movies that you saw when you first went to college, those were the best. Because those were the days. And to some extent, that is the truth. You do love what you love. But were artists and directors truly making things better at that time? Are the movies and songs today somehow lesser? Or did your favorite movies and songs just feel better? Welcome to another lens. My name's Jay Kennedy. And I like movies on this show. I'd like to explore what's happening today in the film industry reference back into Hollywood's short history and share with you the thoughts that have been rattling around my head when it comes to movies. So if you'll join me, grab a hot cup, get comfy, and let's take a look from another lens. In 1969, a low-budget feature cruised into cinemas. It was raw, unpolished, and represented a culture that had been underrepresented until that time. The new director was a man that would go on to become a household name as an actor, starring in films such as Apocalypse Now, Blue Velvet, and Speed. Of course, I'm talking about the late Dennis Hopper and his feature film debut, Easy Rider. Easy Rider is credited as the film that ended the classic era of Hollywood, a system of studios that controlled the stories, the actors, the directors, and basically everything else. If you wanted to get a movie made, you were going to have to play ball. But Easy Rider didn't do that. It didn't shy away from socio-political themes of the time. It represented the rebellious counterculture movement sympathetically. It used music as a narrative tool. In short, Easy Rider didn't pull any punches. And so the critics came for it. It wasn't conventional in its style and narrative. It had drug use and was negative about America. It was divisive. It wasn't what people were used to. And so for some people, it was labeled no good. And those people yearned for the classic Hollywood of yesterday because nothing good was getting made anymore. But the cat was out of the bag and new directors were embracing their creative genius. The new Hollywood movement that included new directors whose names are now synonymous with the film industry. Coppola, Scorsese, Spielberg. More counterculture movies are greenlit, like Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange. There's also a renaissance for character-driven stories, like Mike Nichols' The Graduate or John Schlesinger's Midnight Cowboy. And in a strange twist of fate, a new revisionist Western genre is created with a more cynical, less romantic view of the Old West than earlier seen on silver screens. Look no further than The Wild Bunch. And those people, those moviegoers who embraced this new rebellious energy and got excited for the next stage of Hollywood history. They were my parents. The same people who watch a movie now and say, ah, oh, it's stunk. We watch Caddyshack again. The thing about generations is that they're cyclical. I was over at a friend's house last week. We were recording an episode of another podcast at her in-laws. And I saw one of those signs on a shelf in the kitchen. It read, Middle age is when your broad mind and narrow waist begin to change places. I hadn't thought about it again until just now writing this script, and it dawns on me just how true those words are. If my parents in their teens could see Easy Rider lose their minds for a new world of cinema, a world of cinema their parents couldn't go to, my grandparents, then it makes sense that now when you look at the world of cinema that young people are excited for, us middle-aged people, us parents might say they don't make them like they used to. But is that true? Do they not make them like they used to? Well, I guess that depends on how you look at things. In 1969, the only place you could go to to see a movie was at the cinema. This was a time before multiplexes and video rentals and 4K Blu-ray discs, you had to physically plant your butt in a seat and escape the world. And you really were at the mercy of whatever that cinema was screening at that time. If you missed a movie run, that was it. Television was out of its toddler's days. So you might be able to watch something on cable, but you couldn't record it if you missed the airing. There also wasn't as many options as today, so it felt like all your friends we're seeing the same things you had. So you had lots more in common when it came to the movies you saw. The theatrical run of the more successful choices would be months upon months, giving lots of people time to see it in the theater. Today, at least for now, there are multiplexes. But people forget that digital rentals are still a thing. I am often asked, Where to watch a movie I recommend, because the idea of renting it had never entered their mind. There are also nearly 15 new movies coming out every single Friday, more on streaming. And that's not to add that the theater price and experience sometimes isn't worth it to moviegoers anymore either. So while the options do seem endless today, a lot of people only watch movies that are on their streaming services. In the 80s and 90s, when I was growing up, you couldn't escape an ad for the next big movie coming to theaters through your cable TV service. If you went to a fast food chain, there were tie-ins with Happy Meal toys or promotional cups. Bus stops and billboards were littered with coming attractions, but with streaming services overtaking cable For many who just can't afford the cost any longer, those ads have dried up. They've disappeared. Promotion for movies on Netflix is based on your viewing algorithm. So that one life-changing feature could be just out of reach because you didn't even know it existed. This level of advertising is a major factor when imagining the world of cinema in comparison to times gone by. Last year, Barbie and Oppenheimer were two of the biggest success stories of the year, and they were heavily marketed not only as their own films, but together. Barbenheimer was a kind of miracle in the film industry. Even my out-of-touch father, he called me asking which movie I was going to see on opening weekend. I told him I'd see both. Like I said, up front, I like movies. So I headed to Letterboxd. You can find me there at Jester J, if you are so inclined, to check out the decades where I thought the movies were the best. The top score movies, five-star movies. I mean, this is very scientific. Here are my credentials. I've logged over 3,500 movies on the service. I am fastidious about updating the app. The year I've seen the most films from is 2019 with 122 films. So this is the best way to examine how I feel about the top of the top. Now, obviously, completely subjective as all art is, but I'm talking a lot. And this is still scientific. Sort of. So in the 2020s, three movies earned a five-star rating for me. 2010s, nine movies. In the 2000s, when I took to college and started working full-time, three movies. The 90s, my teenage years, a whopping 11 films. 80s, six movies. The 70s, seven movies. The 60s, three movies. The 50s, three movies. And the 40s, only one movie was rated five stars. So if we're looking at this as any kind of map, we can see that my favorite movies were also from my teen years with 11 five-star ratings. But no decade mentioned went without at least one stellar five-star entry. And this is not to mention that there are tons of 4.5 and four-star entries as well in those decades. Purely percentage-wise, we're looking at 24% of five-star movies coming from the time I was 9 to 19 years old. That is crazy. I wasn't even a full fledged person yet. This is especially interesting considering I've seen way more films from the 2010s than any other time in my life. So, what we've learned here is that I'm a stingy grader of five star movies. <laughs> so, what changed? I think. It's truly how people feel about the movies they're watching. Everything when you're younger feels very different than when you see something as a middle-aged adult. It's less shiny. But Easy Rider isn't the only film to change everything in Hollywood. It happens all the time. And when it does, a new generation cheers and the eldest generation groans. Jaws in 75, the first ever blockbuster. Halloween in 78, the biggest independent movie ever at the time, and inspired countless holiday horror movies and defined the slasher genre. Pulp Fiction in 94, Tarantino changed the game in How to Tell a Story and made dialogue cool again. Titanic in 97, this is the first movie to ever make over a billion dollars, and probably the biggest phenomenon in film history. Avatar in 2009, they said the CGI was a gimmick, but then the sequel made over $2 billion. Avengers in 2012 changed the entire industry and basically allowed Disney to dominate ever since. And then in 1993, there was Jurassic The first time people saw Jurassic Park, it was like seeing the first automobile. It was electric, thrilling, scary, awe-inspiring, and it was unlike anything anyone had ever seen before. I'm talking about the CG and special effects. Today, CG is so commonplace that it's been rendered beautifully in CW teen superhero soaps. It's fair to admit we've seen it all. But then a film like The Creator was released last year. Now, say what you will about the quality of the story, because I know I have, but this movie has some of the greatest computer-generated imagery I've ever seen. And it's what director Gareth Edwards has done to create this world with a mere budget of only 80 million dollars that is truly perplexing. Godzilla minus one is another from last year that has bested the biggest blockbusters in 2023 on a shoestring budget of only $15 million. These are the groundbreaking stories in today's Hollywood. Those that do so much more with so much less. When Toy Story was first released in 1995, it completely changed the animation industry. A few years later, Disney famously said they were only making 3D animated movies because that's what people want. So for years, we only ever saw beautifully crafted computer animated stories. But then Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was released and did something we hadn't seen for a while. New 2D animation smacked everyone in the face in such a bombastic, special way that now we want that again. We want to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, and Puss in Boots, The Last Wish embrace these new animation styles. And just before the release of Spider-Verse, a Netflix film called Klaus, a film made entirely outside of the Hollywood animation system. Well, it's now a 2D Christmas classic around our home. But they all have one thing in common. These films are also very good. Last year, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 came out. And I would be hard-pressed to say that when people say they don't make them like they used to, they haven't checked out the set design of these action scenes because this is how I felt when I was young and it is how I felt last year. The mixing of the guard, old-style stunts, cool technology, and incredible thrills. And when I hear friends say that, well... Movies are just too political. I'm all too happy to point them back to Easy Rider and remind them it's always been this way. The world has changed, but people still search for that feeling they had when they were younger. So I guess I concede they don't make them like they used to. The movies changed because technology is moving so much faster. They change because we watch movies differently. And they changed because every generation demands them to. But doesn't that make you just a little bit excited to see what's coming next? I really appreciate you sticking through to the end reach out to me anytime at j.kennedy@outlook.com. at outlook.com. New episodes are available weekly, so be sure to subscribe for the next one. I'm Jay Kennedy, and you've been listening to Another Lens. The show will be back soon with another perspective.